You're listening to the SLP Book Club. We're your hosts, Laura Geisert and Adrian Frost. This month, we're reading Take Time for You by Tina Bogren. Let's get into it. everyone. Welcome back to the SLP Book Club. Today we are going to be discussing chapter five from the book Take Time for You. And this is all about self-care action plans for educators. So before we get into that, today we're going to talk about some words that we pronounce maybe differently, maybe the same, the same as you. Who knows? Feel free to always pop onto the Instagram SLP underscore book club and send us a DM if you feel like jumping in to the conversation. So, Laura, allow me to go first. Okay. The word is pecan. (laughs) (laughs) Pecan pie. That wasn't even one of the pronunciations I had as an option in my head. What? Pecan pie. Okay, for me, it's pecan. 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 I guess I'm fancy again. Pecan. I thought you either said pecan or pecan, but you do a hybrid pecan. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Unfortunately, when you start thinking about like, how do I say that? I feel like it might not even be right. Who knows? (laughs) I think any way you pronounce that one is fine. I say pecan. It's not a word I use a lot, but yeah, pecan pie, but you say pecan. I don't know. Let me do like a test sentence. Like, Okay. okay, I'll take a piece of Pecan pie. I guess I do say pecan. <laughs> wow. The more you know. Okay, so number number 10. I didn't know people said this differently. Crayon. Oh, this is very controversial. In my family slash household, my sister and I both say crayon. <laughs> it's not right. Cr- crayon. Crayon. If you were to spell it Cray- C-R-A-N. <laughs> crayon. <laughs> And I think it's because it's how my mom pronounces it. Okay. And sometimes if I'm in front of my sister, I will really emphasize, you know, can I have the red crayon? Uh-huh. And she's like, just say crayon. You know you want to. <laughs> <laughs> like it's your guilty pleasure. <laughs> crayon. Yeah, it is. And it's like I always think about it. Every time it's about to come out of my mouth, I'm like, should I be accurate? Should I say crayon or should I do what I want to do with my heart, but just say crayon? <laughs> Well, this is a word that we commonly put in initial R blend activities for our Arctic kids. Do you emphasize all the sounds you know are supposed to be there when you work with kids? Or do you just let it fly? Crayon. In my professional capacity, I try to be accurate. So I will say crayon. But like my brain is fighting me the whole time. Say crayon, say crayon. (laughs) I really didn't expect that. So now you know that about me. (laughs) I have a feeling you're going to say number 12 differently than me. Jewelry. Okay. Yeah. I say jewelry. Jewel, like J-U-L, if you were to spell it, jewelry. Like jewel, jewel, jewelry. There's no jewelry. Yeah. Jewelry. But everybody says it the way you say it. You know, to me, that word jewelry is kind of like, I feel like one of those words where the faster you're talking, the less syllables it has. So if I'm just like, oh, I love vintage jewelry, then it's going to come out three. But maybe if I'm like jewelry, jewelry, then it's like. Hey, I got news for you. you. You're saying it two syllables now. You've switched. I think I I think I bullied you into jewelry. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Will I ever be the same? <laughs> okay. This should not be controversial because there is really one way to say this. Yeah. Library. Yes. Yes. Library. 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 <laughs> I mean, the B-R. It is not. Library. It's that that first R is not optional. <laughs> at one school that I worked at, the secretary would go on the loudspeaker and she would be like, everybody, there's a French club meeting in the library. So loud over the whole campus. And I would be like, ma'am. And like people would talk about it. Yeah. You know, like it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 15 is syrup. Can you pass me the maple syrup? Oh, well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Different. Sometimes I really need to say it in context. Syrup. Okay, I'll go first. Niche. Niche. But some people say niche. You know, when I say niche, mm. I always feel a little unconfident. It's kind of like when everyone first realized that LaCroix was pronounced LaCroix and not LaCroix, you know, and then you felt a little silly saying LaCroix. Do you know? Do you remember when that happened? Yeah, that's probably about... Five yeah. or six years ago when it started getting big. After you were like LaCroix and you felt like some hillbilly because you felt like it should be pronounced very French sounding. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, why'd you put number 18? I gotta know. What's the other pronunciation? Okay, well, you say it first, then I'll say it and I'll tell you. Meme. Meme, but some people say Mimi. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's true. Who? Who are these <laughs> People, I don't know. Okay, guys, send us a DM if you say Mimi and you feel confident about it. <laughs> we got to know who you are. I'm wondering about these two because my fiance says these different than me. Oh, but I think sometimes these are regional. But do you say them wolf and roof? Yeah, wolf, roof. Okay, because to him, it's wolf and roof. Did he, grow up in o he grew up in Ohio, <laughs> though, right? Yeah, even in his work, he has to talk about wolves. Wait. If you say woofs, if you, if you say woof for wolf, do you say woofs or woofs? Woofs. Try to like bait him into saying it without saying it first. Secretly <laughs> recording. Report back. If there's more than one wolf, what would you call that? <laughs> there are now three. Mm? <laughs> I think you'd be on to me. So this one made me laugh. I like that it's on a list that's words adrian struggles with just me <laughs> okay so i put this one because i was like this is a word that whenever i would read it i in my head said it one way and then i would hear people say it out loud and it's totally different the word is biopic and you were like biopic <laughs> that's wrong like i still am not willing to accept it that's wrong. okay well i think it's a biography picture it's a movie about someone's life so you're doing a bio pick, like a bio picture. Does that help? Yeah, it helps. <laughs> but like, I don't. Because when you say biopic, then it loses its meaning. That sounds like some type of I thing. But what about like a biography? Yeah. It's not biography. Yeah. But I think right? because bio is the word and then pick, they're like two separate words. All right. I, I mean, I believe you. I'm just... <laughs> Yeah. And apparently you say the next one. IMDB, <laughs> Internet Movie Database. I always want to say IMBD. And to the point where I have to literally think, what does the acronym stand for? IMDB. <laughs> I'm going to make a really embarrassing yeah. admission. Mm -hmm. I don't know the difference between fiction and nonfiction unless I go fact 
or fiction. And then I go, okay, fiction's the fake one. And then I can arrive at the fact that nonfiction is real. I have to do it every time. It's like people that have to hold up their fingers to remember which one's their left hand. Yes. You just wish that there's a way for you to remember without having to go through the process of trying to think if there's anything okay everyone well we hope you learned something new i feel like we really did (laughs) and i hope that this hasn't caused more problems for you that you're not thinking about how to pronounce every single word now (laughs) all right well stick around and we will get into the next chapter of take time for you The SLP Book Club is not just a podcast, it's a community. Go to our Instagram at SLP underscore book club to join the discussion and connect with us after each episode. Want even more of the SLP Book Club? The resources we make to support the content of the books we read are available for free on our Patreon or at the Laura G. SLP Teachers Pay Teachers store. You can find links to them in the show notes. To learn more about the SLP Book Club, go to the SLPbookclub.com. You can contact us by emailing hello at the slpbookclub.com. Follow us on Instagram at slp underscore book club or on TikTok at the SLP book club. Okay, everyone, welcome back. So we are going to be discussing chapter five of Take Time for You. And this chapter is all about esteem and esteem needs. So according to the book, self-esteem is defined as positive, which is high self-esteem, or negative, which is low self-esteem. And these are feelings that we have about ourselves. This level of Maslow's hierarchy includes both what other people think of us and also how we think of ourselves. But it's difficult to control what others think about us. So when you're reading through this chapter, just try to focus on what you think about yourself. The author explains that The desire to be more appreciated is a pretty consistent theme that she hears from educators. So I don't know about all you SLPs out there. I think we all feel unappreciated at times and we can be looking for appreciation from parents, supervisors, or the public, but many educators do feel underappreciated for the work that they do. And it's important to remember that if we rely too heavily on the need for recognition or appreciation from others, then our sense of esteem becomes dependent on external sources and that can lead to more stress and hostility. So it is good to look within. There is a survey in the book on page 72 that you can take and it will help to give you a clear sense of how you see yourself. And the survey is broken up into two columns. The left side are traits that are often seen in people with high self-esteem and the right side is traits that are seen in people who have low self-esteem. And when you do the survey, you'll probably have some in both. So don't feel like you need to ace it and have zero on the right side. Some examples of high self-esteem traits are like believing in yourself and your abilities, taking responsibility for your actions, being simultaneously optimistic and realistic, and accepting compliments gracefully. Some examples of low self-esteem traits are excessively blaming or criticizing yourself, dominating others or not sticking up for yourself, fearing change and risk, and constantly comparing yourself to others. So the author recommends using thought revision in order to increase your self-esteem. Esteem Esteem is a direct product of one's thinking, so you need to work on editing your negative thoughts. It's important to remember that 
it does feel like a little extra work to try to combat these negative thoughts, but it's really important because overall it's going to really affect your self-esteem. And you might not even realize how many negative thoughts you're having about yourself every single day. So thought revision means recognizing a negative or low self-esteem thought and then instantly replacing it with a positive or high esteem thought. This requires two steps. Number one, thought recognition or where you realize what you're thinking about yourself that's negative and thought substitution, which is replacing the negative thought with another more helpful thought. So for example, if you have the thought like, I'll never get this job done, you should realize that this is a negative thought and then try to replace it with something like, I've done projects like this before and I've gotten them done and this time is no different. So this does require a certain level of metacognition in order to be able to recognize your own thoughts, but it definitely is a valuable thing to do. It's recommended in the book that you begin a new daily time audit for thought awareness. So you can just kind of add it to the sheet you're already working on, put in one column that you're working on thought awareness, and then record your thoughts during every activity you do throughout the day. And if each thought represents high esteem, low esteem, or neutral. And there's an example of the audit on page 74 if you want to kind of take a look at what that looks like. And then there are some reflection questions that you can ask once you've audited your thoughts for one week. So examples of these questions are, what activities produced high esteem thinking? Or what makes you feel your best? Did anything result in low esteem thinking? Are your thoughts more positive or negative when you're at school? What about when you're not at school? And what activities help you feel your best? And which ones make you feel bad about yourself? So just kind of some self-awareness about how you're feeling throughout the day. And once you've reflected on your thought patterns, you can begin to use thought substitution to modify your low esteem thoughts. But first you have to really know and believe. And this is like the difference between like knowing something cognitively and knowing something kind of in your heart, right? You have to really understand that negative low esteem thinking is based solely on your own interpretation. So just because you think something does not make it true. Like, for example, you might think that your coworkers aren't interested in what you have to say during a meeting because everybody looks bored, but really you have no way of knowing if that's true. There are so many possibilities of what might be going on with everyone. Maybe everyone's pretty tired after teaching all day, or maybe somebody was up all night with their sick child, or maybe somebody is bothered by something else that happened. You never really know. There are some more questions to answer if you want to kind of dig into your current self-esteem and esteem of others. These are questions like, did you check more statements on the high esteem side of the inventory or the low esteem side? And how does that fact make you feel? Do you have different senses of self-esteem in various areas of your life? For example, do you feel more confident in one setting than another? If someone were to complete this activity on your behalf, do you think the results would be the same as yours? Then the author lists some esteem strategies that you can do to increase your own self-esteem. So just like with every chapter we've done so far, you know, kind of look through, pick the ones that you feel like you can implement in your own life, maybe just one or two, but they should be ones that will be the most helpful for you when you're not feeling confident. So some examples are consider your expectations and whether or not they're realistic. So unrealistic expectations can set us up for negative thinking and low esteem thoughts. You should also consider how true your thoughts are and if they're based on assumptions or exaggerations rather than reality. So for example, 
Do you assume that every other SLP in your district is better than you in a certain area, like articulation or pragmatics? You can talk with a friend maybe to help you recognize where your thinking is kind of extreme or out of touch with reality, because sometimes it can be really hard to recognize this on your own. And it's been shown that stress lowers in teachers who set realistic, achievable goals for themselves. So this is all about keeping things kind of achievable. You can also recite self-affirmation. So try to focus on the things in your life that you value the most, like friends, family, independence, maybe. And you can also try emotional accounting. So when a low self-esteem thought enters your mind, reframe it. So instead of telling yourself, oh, that activity I planned for that group totally sucked, right? You could tell yourself, I tried really hard to pick an activity that would appeal to that group, but it just didn't go as well as I would have liked. Try not to fall prey to cognitive distortions like black and white thinking, which is something like, if I can't do this perfectly, it doesn't count. I should never try again. You can also experiment with thought cessation. So if a low esteem thought enters your mind, try saying the word no out loud. And they say you can even talk to yourself using your own name. So you could say something like, no, Adrian, your perception of how the activity went is not accurate. And maybe saying out loud will help you. I don't know. (laughs) That was one of the strategies in Smart But Scattered for kids who have like a lot of anxiety about things. One of the things you can teach them is thought stopping. Just like when you're kind of ruminating on something going, stop. (laughs) I'm going to try it and I'll let you know how it goes this week. (laughs) Okay. You can also work on identifying your triggers. So certain events or triggers can lead to low esteem thinking. And you can review your daily time audits just to see if maybe there are certain activities or people or places that trigger you and then try to make some changes around that. The author shared a strategy that she uses to help stabilize this particular area of her own life. So she said that before she has a big presentation, she will write an affirmation on a post-it note and put it in her pocket where she can kind of look at it all day. And some examples were She would write things like, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. She also uses reframing a lot if her mind is going crazy with negative thinking. So she makes a plan, like if she's going to be interacting with people who she knows affect her self-esteem, she can kind of try to think ahead to what they might say or do and then how she can respond. So now it's time to create your own action plan. You can look through the chapter and select the strategies that appeal the most to you. Narrow down your selected strategies to a reasonable number and then decide which days you want to use the new strategies on and put a little check mark on those days under the goal row and keep your action plan with you for the next seven days track which days you use which activity on or strategy on and make any notes about how it went so at the end of the week you can consider some reflection questions such as what worked well for you this week and why where did you struggle and why What differences do you notice and how did you feel throughout the day using your new strategies? As an educator, how does focusing on your own esteem needs impact your work at school? Would it be helpful to stay at this level and engage in the same strategies again or maybe try different strategies? And do you feel ready to move on to the next level? So it was pretty straightforward, right? I came up with my own plan. Do you want to hear it? (laughs) Because I feel like esteem is somewhere... I mean, as I read through that list where it's the left side and the right side and it's kind of low self-esteem and high esteem, I was recognizing that with age and wisdom, you know, your self-esteem does, I think, maybe not for everybody, but it does increase. You become less insecure. You worry less what people think about you. 
but it is, I've mentioned a lot of times I've struggled a lot with perfectionism, which isn't what you picture it be. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means it's almost like paralyzing that you don't want to do anything because you always think you're going to fail or you worry a lot what people are thinking about you. So this is an area where I really wanted to work on some things. My plan is to do expectations checks. I mentioned, I think the first episode that this was an area where I always make these long to-do lists. And then it's just like this list of things I didn't get done because it's unreasonable. And she's saying, make sure your expectations are realistic. You know, only kind of write out a list that is what you could really realistically get through. And I remember hearing on Gretchen Rubin's podcast a long time ago, instead of a to-do list, making a ta-da list at the end, like ta-da at the end of the day, listing all the things you got done. So it's like an accomplishment list where you're like, look what I did today. So I'm going to start doing that for the next week, making my ta-da list and definitely using a lot of reframes. So whenever I'm having low esteem thoughts, trying to reframe it in a more positive way. The other thing I was just thinking about while you were talking, I didn't think about it when I was reading the chapter, but I was trying to think of things in my career that have helped me raise my confidence as an SLP or my self-esteem. And it's always when parents or administrators or teachers have pointed out to me good things I've done. And so I was kind of thinking that if that makes me feel so good, a way that I can contribute is to always point out those things. Kind of like we always say, use really specific praise. There's a teacher that's doing something that you love, just being really specific and pointing it out. Because if we feel down on ourselves a lot, we know teachers feel underappreciated. So just to kind of spread it and it'll come back to you. Well, I just sent an email to a teacher like that, where I was just sending paperwork to her, but she was like really going to bat for a student and really going above and beyond with sensory stuff in the classroom and to help behavior. And I wrote her an email and was just like, you know, I'm always so impressed with teachers like you who go so above and beyond to help, you know, one kid in the class when you have 30 kids and you're trying to juggle so many things. And like, I really see your hard work and I really appreciate it. And, you know, maybe it went, maybe it made her feel good. I don't know. But how hard was it for me to do that? I just typed it out and maybe it made a big difference in her day. Yeah. Giving out authentic compliments about something that you really do love about somebody or admire about somebody, it will probably make them feel really good. I know it makes you feel good too to give the compliment, you know? So just spread it around. Let's raise everybody's esteem. Absolutely. Okay. You're inspiring me. Maybe I'll send some more nice emails. <laughs> They're like this. Hey, did you get an email from the SLP? <laughs> yeah, me too. She must be feeling pretty good. <laughs> well, stay tuned. Next time we're going to be talking about chapter six. All right. Bye, Laura. Bye, Adrian. At the SLP Book Club, our mission is to learn, grow, and connect with other SLPs and educators. If you love what we're doing, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a rating and review wherever you listen. This helps other SLPs find the show so our community can grow even stronger. We appreciate you so much and hope you keep listening and reading along with us.